0: and thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, Lots to discuss from last week's show. Last week I talked to you about J.J. Watt and why I didn't think that he had a $15 or $16 million on the table. Well, I was obviously wrong as he goes to Arizona, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, What Watt could have been thinking of going to... um, Arizona, rather than you know, let's say the Bills or the Packers. Besides just money, um, it's hard to pass up the money that he was offered or given by Arizona, twenty-three million guaranteed. I I would have a hard time uh, passing on that as well. Um, good for him for getting it, um, but like I said, I would definitely have a hard time passing on that as well. Um, so I'm going to talk touch base a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers quite a bit so I was going to record this show yesterday however I decided last minute nah I'll wait till Thursday um didn't sleep the best the night before or last night didn't sleep the best up early um just figure I you know just take it easy and I'll record on Thursday well I'm actually quite glad I did because the Brewers went and made a move. Um, They went and made a move overnight, and they now have a fourth outfielder in Jackie Bradley Jr., former Gold Glove winning center fielder. So I'm going to talk about what that means for Milwaukee and what it could mean for the outfield. Um, A quick uh, tease here for that, if I'm uh, Billy McKinney or Jace. Peterson or Tyrone Taylor or um, Corey Ray or um, Derek Fisher. I'm not liking it too much because those guys are likely uh, going to be in the minors or uh, or released altogether if they're out of options. The pack of the uh, Brewers obviously have Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, and Avi, Avi, Sal, Avi Sal Garcia. And now you add uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. to the mix, so you now have a solid four outfielders um, that you can put out there. So you're gonna you're gonna have a great outfield every single game, regardless of you know. You obviously at will get most of the playing time, but between Garcia, Bradley, and Kane, whenever one of those guys are out of the lineup, well, you're still gonna have a pretty solid lineup. And then the games you do have Yellich out. Well, his replacement, Bradley Jr. or Garcia, you're going to be pretty good. You're going to be uh, okay with in that regard. So, that happened overnight. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about that more in detail and what it means for the Brewers. And I'm going to give my winning uh, predictions for the Brewers. Um, USA Today has the Brewers at 83 wins. Um Picota standings. Uh they have the Brewers at 86.6 wins, um, winning the division. USA Today has the Brewers finishing in second, a game ahead of the Cubs and six games behind the Cardinals. So I'm gonna talk again my my uh winning talk my predictions for the Brewers and where I think they're gonna finish in the standings. And the final game of the first half of the NBA season is tonight, and the Milwaukee Bucks are in action. Excuse uh, me, against the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm going to talk about the Bucks' first half uh, of the season and what I hope to see in the second half as well. So before we go any further, um, do gotta mention my beer of the day. Um, I'm trying to bring that back when I record the show at a time that I can have beer. Cause as I mentioned um last week I recorded it uh uh on a Friday, but last week I mentioned that it was a couple of times I recorded it when I was a break from work. And obviously I my, my boss and frowned upon uh enjoying a cold one while working. But since I'm not working, I'm gonna have a beer. And like last week, because I love it so much, is hinterland door county cherry wheat um love the beer a tart cherry flavor and it is just magnificent to me i'm a big fan of the hinterland beer line out of green bay and i i just love the cherry wheat i love i i don't know i I, i'm a fan i'm a weak beer fan uh cherry wheat sunset wheat uh summer shandy berry wise blue moon you know, if it's a, a wheat beer, I like it. And I, I love the cherry wheat from Door County, cherry wheat from Hinterland uh, Brewing. So something I suggest checking out if you see it in your local, local uh, liquor store or grocery store, I suggest getting a six pack or something and giving it a try. I highly recommend it. And no, I am not. Um, I am not uh, sponsored at all by Hinterland. This is me uh giving them this publicity completely on my own. I like I said I think it's a great beer especially if you like wheat beers. You should give it a try. So Major League Baseball, let's start first with JJ Watt. Then I'll get to the Brewers. So JJ Watt goes to Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals last year finished 8-8, eight eight, had a hot start to the season and then kind of faded and imploded after that. Um, They're coached by Cliff Kingsbury, and uh, Kyler Murray is quarterback, and Hopkins is uh, one of their receivers, and Chandler Jones is, uh, should give J.J. Watt some help along the defensive line. So I, I don't fully understand Watt's decision to go to Arizona. Yeah, you got Chandler Jones, like I mentioned, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, you might have Larry Fitzgerald uh as well. But with Kingsbury as the coach, I don't see Arizona being a a Super Bowl contending team. I'm not a Kingsbury fan. I see the offense of Arizona as too much like a schoolyard offense. And you're not going to win consistently in the NFL playing a schoolyard style of offense. It's just it's, you're just not. Um, so one of the and I say that I don't know why Arizona because one of the early one of the early conversations when he has granted his release is he was looking to go someplace where he could compete for a Super Bowl. I don't see Arizona being that team now you look at the money they gave him 23 million guaranteed on a 2-year deal it made a little bit of sense but it also shows that money actually was a factor he actually didn't want to get paid and i i over re i maybe overreacted not the right word but i overreacted a bit to Playing for a championship, playing for a, a a great quarterback and a a strong team, before money, I kind of truly felt that that's truly what he was looking for in his three choices. Well, he does play with a decent quarterback in Kyler Murray, who could be an extending player. I just don't like to say coach. Um, he has a great receiver when DeAndre Hopkins. He's got. Uh, You know, guys on defense, running mates, uh, Buda Baker and Hassan Reddick. if I bring him back. Um, Isaiah Simmons. Um, I mentioned uh, Jones, who should give him some big help on the the pass rush front. Chandler Jones, who does get quite a few uh, sacks every year. He didn't get a lot this last year due to injury. But when healthy, he's a dominant defensive uh, lineman in this league. So yeah, it is an okay team, but obviously money was a bigger factor than he was letting on because if money, and obviously these guys want to get paid and I I have no problem with that. They play a sport where you don't have long careers and you don't get a lot of opportunities to make money. So you maximize every chance you get to make money. I just felt that him being 31, he's made a ton of money in this league already maybe he would be more likely to sign for a little bit less to play for a contender and like I said, obviously money was the bigger factor and I don't blame him like if I'm sitting there and I have a team throwing me 23 million guaranteed and I get to play in Arizona eight games a year and the other uh, other games I'm in California <laughs> I could definitely see I could definitely make that happen. I would take a million or two less to go to Arizona. I get that. But I do wish J.J. Watt the best of luck. I hope it goes well for him. I hope he uh, he gets what he's looking for in Arizona. Not a Super Bowl, because obviously if Arizona goes, the Packers don't go. I hope besides the Super Bowl, he finds what he's looking for in Arizona. And the thing is, it's only a two-year contract. So in reality... In two years, if Arizona is not anywhere near being a playoff uh, perennial playoff team or a Super Bowl contender, he can go someplace else. He could go to Buffalo, who has a young quarterback, or Cleveland, who has a good up-and-coming team, or Tennessee, that's got a pretty solid team. He could go to those places in a couple years if he feels that Arizona is not where he wants to be anymore. So, moving on. Milwaukee Brewers. Like I said, I went to I decided not to do a show last night. Went to bed planning on what thinking about what I was gonna say about the Brewers, talk about the roster, talk about where I think they're gonna end up, what the team looks like, whatnot. And I wake up this morning with an alert on my phone that the Brewers have come to an agreement with. Outfielder, Jackie Bradley Jr. Bats left, throws right. 5'10", 196 pound outfielder. I guess I'll call him for the purpose of this show. Because I'll get into that in a minute. He, he, he's mostly a center fielder. That's where he won his, uh, his gold glove. He is a World Series champion. He's an ALCS MVP and a one-time All-Star. He joins a deep outfield with... Lorenzo Kane and Garcia and Yelich. Um, so, where does he fit? Where does he fit? Like, he's joining a loaded outfielder. Well, in reality, think back a couple years. They signed Lorenzo Kane, they trade for Christian Yelich when they already have Ryan Braun and uh, Domingo Santana. They made it work. Domingo Santana became a fourth outfielder, did a pretty decent job, especially after coming back from AAA, Um, and they made it work, and then they moved him the following year for Ben Gamow, who could play all three spots in a pinch, and he was a reliable guy. Nothing special about Gamow at all, but he busted his butt, and he did the best he could, Um, and he could fill in nicely at one of the three outfield spots. Well, now, you get Jackie Bradley Jr., who isn't going to just fit in nicely with any of the outfield spots. He's a Gold Glover. He's got a strong arm. He can he can uh, get after the baseball when it when he uh, you know when it's hit in the air. You know, according to BaseballReference.com, his twenty twenty one projections: he's at eighteen home runs, sixty one RBIs, and a two thirty seven batting average, which is Right around his career average, his career batting average is 239. Um, OP, OP on base percentage 321, slugging 412, OPS 732. Slugging uh, OP On base percentage 324, slugging 413, OPS 732. So they're not projecting him too far off his uh, career average. Now the home runs, he may not get enough at bats to get 18 home runs. They're projecting him at 550 plate appearances, 482 at-bats, and he averages, uh, for his career, he has 2,899 at-bats. And most seasons, he's gotten um, five, um, six, 500, 600 at-bats, 600 being his career high. Played 156 games that year. He's probably not going to get that many at-bats, depending on what they do with Garcia and Kane and whatnot. But he's giving you a guy. So Kane needs a day off. You put him in center field, you don't miss a beat. And you get a guy on the base pass that can run a little bit too. Um, You put him in left because Garcia needs a break, or you put him in right because uh, Yelich needs a break. Guess what? You're not on the defensive side. Or left Yelich needs a break. Right Garcia needs a break. Defensively, you're actually getting an upgrade with Bradley, and offensively, it's a slight, you know, a slight uh, de- uh, decline uh, with Gar- with uh, Yelich. But Garcia, you know, I I don't know who's going to start between Garcia and. Uh, Garcia and uh, Bradley Jr. Um, but, uh, Garcia is a career 284 hitter. Um, averaging about 16 home runs. So, Well, career has 16 home runs. I'm sorry. So He doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but he tends to get on base a lot. And yeah. So he's a guy that uh, is going to get a lot of at-bats too. But like I said, you put Bradley in the game, you're not going to have much of a uh, a gap in talent between Kane and Bradley, Garcia and Bradley, and defensively, Yelich and Bradley. You're just not. Because you look at, look at his according to pro base, baseballreference.com, you look at his fielding. He's a career uh, 99, 99, uh, uh percent in the out, in center in in the outfield in two thousand nineteen and twenty. He uh, didn't have any errors whatsoever in the outfield. Um, he's played left field, right field as well, where he's 98. Um, so a slight decline there. But overall, defensively, he's a damn good outfielder. He, he He's a damn good outfielder. And he definitely gives you uh, a great glove back there. They can chase a lot of things down, um, throw people out. Um and whatnot. So, I like it. I like the move. I think it's a smart move. I think it puts the Brewers even more in position to win the division. Now, make make, uh, make it further than that in the playoffs. I don't know. Kind of depends on how things fall. But they definitely, with the addition of Colton Wong. So, now you have Nevaez, who played really strong defense last year who if he gets his bat back even a little bit, it's going to be a big help. Um, but he played extremely well with the bat. I mean, with the glove. I'm sorry. Colton Wong, who is a former gold glove second baseman. Orlando Arcia, who is has a gold glove caliber glove when he's focused. And then you got Lorenzo Cain or uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in center. That's a middle of the in that's a middle of the field that's going to be very tough to do anything with. And I I heard I sure, I think at which radio station it was but I was listening to some sports talk today, and they were saying that the defense alone now for Milwaukee, and I don't know when the last time the Brewers had a defense this good, but I uh, the. The defense for the Brewers this year has a potential to win you games. So days that the bats aren't doing well, um, you're not scoring a lot of runs, the defense is going to keep you in games. And I wouldn't be surprised, to be perfectly honest, if the Brewers flirt with a few no-hitters this year with Woody and uh, Corbin Burns. I wouldn't be surprised if they flirt with a few no-no. I I could be uh, <laughs> I I could be overselling it. I could be over exaggerating it. But with the defense the Brewers have, I seriously think that they could flirt flirt with no hitters because basically part of the you know the Brewers have flirted with no hitters in the past. But the thing that kept them from doing it was defense. They did not have the defense that could. Push them over the top like that. Well, now, now with this defense they have, they should not have an issue making uh, plays in the outfield, making plays in the infield. It all kind of depends who is playing third base and Travis Shaw, Luis Urias, or Lando Arcia, and how uh, Al um plays over at first base. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to now, and. I'm very high on Milwaukee. I'm very high on the Brewers. And I think the Brewers will win the division. Um, yes, I know the move the Cardinals made. But I think with Colton Wong and Bradley Jr. basically replacing Eric Sogard and Ben Gammel. And I think with your rotation uh, headed by Woodworth and Corbin Burns and bullpen with hater Devin Williams. um. I think you have a chance to win a lot of games. Especially if you get to the, you know, the eighth, ninth inning with a lead with Hader and Williams. I like Brett Suter. I like Freddie Peralta. I like Yardley. I like Ross, Rassman. And now the question is, who's the other guy in the bullpen going to be? Padermo, Bickford, Wall, Firestein, Black, Topa. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be that other guy to, uh, to shut down out of the bullpen. Now, the thing that Paduramo has going for him, he's a lefty. And the thing that Brett Anderson has going for him, if they decide to put him in the pen, he's a lefty. But starting rotation for five spots, you have Woodworth, Burns, Hauser, Lindblom, Anderson, and Lauer. My guess is out of those six, and they may do a six-man rotation early on, but out of those six, uh, whoever doesn't win the rotation spot is going to get bumped to the pen. Either be Anderson or Lauer, would be my guess. One of those two will be bumped to the pen. Hauser's going to be an inning when he's on, which he wasn't last year, unfortunately. But when he's on, he's a big innings eater. Lindblom didn't play too great last year in his first year back in the big leagues after being overseas. Maybe he plays better this year. And Anderson, he pitched some good ones last year. So I think the Brewers would be at about 89 wins, 89, 90 wins. That's what I think they do. I think they win 89 or 90. I think it's enough for the division win. I think the Cardinals finished second with 87 wins. And Cubs finished third um, with 83 wins. That's how I think the NL Central comes through. So what are your thoughts on the NL Central? Who wins it? Or do you agree with me or disagree with me? And how many wins do you have Milwaukee winning? Like I said, I have them at 89 or 90. Um, Assuming they play all 162 with the Cardinals at 88 wins and the Cubs at 83. So moving on, more Brewer uh, more Brewer baseball talk. So the other thing that happened in Milwaukee Brewer land today, the, uh, the Brewers will be allowed to have fans at Miller Park, which I like, I think is great. I, I think it's a good thing that they can have fans at Miller Park this year. They're going to have 12,000 fans. Roughly to start the year, that could grow. Um, that that could grow um, as the season progresses, depending how COVID goes. And I think it's uh, I think it's uh, great to see, and it'd be great hearing uh, fans cheering at Miller Park again. It'd be great seeing uh, the players playing in front of uh, the fans, and hopefully by the end of the year we can have a packed house at Miller Park because we've kicked covid ass hopefully <clears throat> here's what i don't like Here, here's the thing i don't like though so the city the city approved the city approved fans at Miller Park 12,000 fans the problem is and this is where i scratch my head This is what I don't understand, is you can't tailgate. No tailgating allowed yet. The problem I have with that, so we've seen outdoor sporting events played with no major breakouts. Um, Football did it. Packers, locally here by me, they had about 10,000 fans-ish, roughly by the playoffs. Um, The the Super Bowl had 20,000 fans. Uh, We've had fans at sporting events, and we've not had major breakouts yet, or at all. Tailgating is outdoor. And so Miller Park parking lot can park pretty much a full house. So 40,000 seat stadium, pretty much damn near what you could probably park there. Obviously, people drive together, carpool, whatever. Um, but there's basically what I'm saying is the parking lot at Miller Park is very big. You're allowing 12,000 fans. You have enough space in that parking lot to spread people out that you can tailgate. Have every other stall. Or three stalls between each car. Whatever you need to do. And then just have rules for tailgating be. You must stay with your group. You can't go to other groups for tailgating. You have to stay with your group. Or you cannot have more than six people. In your party. See, Most, pe- most of the time. And I can't speak for everybody. Most of the time when I go to Brewer games. I go with people that I know really well, I'm close with, I, and I know they pretty much are on the same wavelength as I am for the most part on this issue. So if we go to a game, we're not taking the necessary risks and putting ourselves in position to potentially catch COVID. We wear masks. Um. So the... You're outside, you're with people that you know, and you can social distance pretty easy in a parking lot of a stadium that seats 40,000 people, only allowing 12,000. I dislike the idea of no tailgating. I think you could allow tailgating, um, but again, I'm happy we have fans, so I'm glad we're that far. The next step is let's figure out a way to allow tailgating that. But again, I do do like the fact that we have fans. Again, next step, tailgating. And let's allow tailgating. Because you can easily social distance well enough to prevent COVID from spreading in the parking lot. I guess the question I have is let's say I go with four people on my car and we decide to stay in my car when we park and throw back a couple beers before walking in, um, are they going to allow that? Or are they going to say, you got to go in the stadium you got to leave? Who knows? So with that, again, Brewers 89-90 to 90 wins, win the division, and make the playoffs for the fourth year in a row. Follow the show. Follow me on Twitter. Evan with Sports. Email the show, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, talking sports with Evan. Find me on where every podcast is found Spotify, uh, iTunes. You can find me pretty much anywhere. And if you do, uh, whoever you decide to listen, subscribe and rate and uh, let me know. So before I do go, talk NBA really quick. Milwaukee Book. So the Milwaukee Bucks going into tonight, 21-14. and 14, Hopefully 22-14 after tonight's game against the Grizzlies. They are 7-9 away from home. They're 5-5 five five in their last 10. Things I hope to see in the second half of the season. And I'm going to work to get a guest to talk Bucks next week. I have a couple people in mind I want to reach out to to get kind of their thoughts on the first half of the season and what they expect in the second half. But what I want to see in the second half of the season is more consistency. Defensively, the Bucks are inconsistent. They're inconsistent. That's, how, that's what the Bucks are defensively. They're an extremely inconsistent group. They shut down the Clippers when it mattered most on Sunday, coming back and winning that game, but then they can't stop the Nuggets. The five-game win streak prior to their five-game losing streak, four of those games Holiday played. One of them he didn't, but those games, they're finally looking like they're coming together, playing playing together, playing smart basketball on both sides of the floor. Holiday leaves the lineup. They lose five in a row. Then, then they win five in a row. Holiday's back in the lineup, which it's going to take a couple games for Holiday to get his legs back, and hopefully the— you know, the three games that he played since being back from having COVID and he can get some work during the, the off time that he comes back fresh for the stretch run, uh, his legs back, his conditioning back. But I want to see more consistency. I want to see the Bucks go more than a five-game win streak. I want to see them put it all together for a long stretch of basketball and show us that they are who we thought they were. And we're, they're not letting people off the hook um they're, they're in perfect position right now the two and a half games out of the one seed against the 70 over the 76ers they're a game and a half behind the Nets and you look at their second half schedule um coming out of the gate from the all-star break they got the Knicks a week from tonight winnable game um the Knicks yeah the they're the five seed right now at 18-18, and 18, but the Knicks are a winnable game. They got the Wizards back-to-back, Saturday the 13th and Monday the 15th, both winnable games. Then they have a tough one against the 76ers on March 17th on the road in Philly. Tough game there. Then they're home against the Spurs on the 20th, home against the Pacers on the 22nd, and home against the Celtics on the 24th. So realistically, coming out the break, there's no reason why the Bucks can't be go uh, at least six and one. The 76ers' game is one that's going to be tough. And then you got, actually got back to back with Boston, the 24th and the 26th, both at home, so that could be seven and one. Then you got the Knicks again, eight and one. And then you got the Clippers and Lakers back to back in LA, followed by Portland, followed by the Kings, followed by the Warriors. So you got the end of March, early April, you have a West Coast uh, road trip and then you got the Mavericks. You got go out west for six uh six games. You can go three and three in those games, awesome. Because then you're you close out the month of April with the, the Hornets, the Magic, and the Timberwolves. Sorry, not closing out. That's what you have after your West Coast trip. Then you got the Hawks, the Grizzlies, the Suns. Three more games, you can easily win. So, you know, the Bucks play the 76ers three times in the second half of the season. Yeah, three times in the second half of the season. They play the Nets twice, I, I, I see. uh, and They play the Nets twice and the 76ers three times. So the Bucks are more than in position to challenge for the one seed or at least the two seed. But like I said, I need to see, I want to see better consistency from the Bucks. That's what I want to see. I want to see the Bucs play better, more consistently on both ends of the floor. As I said, defensively, they're not a horrible defensive team. I know some people are going to hear that and fall out of their chair laughing. But they're not a horrible defensive team. They're not a great defensive team either. They, they, they play stretches where they're really good. And then they play stretches where they're really bad. They got to play more consistently on the good side. That's what I need to see. So thank you so much for listening to Talking Sports with Evan. I appreciate it. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, subscribe and rate the show. Um, let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at EvanWittSports and uh, interact with me. And I uh, hope you all enjoy the rest of the week. Hope you have a great weekend and I will get back at you next week with another episode of Talking Sports with Evan. Have a go on everybody